word that churches all over are experiencing difficulty streaming this morning. I don't know if it's a, a server issue, internet issue, or, or whatever. Um, but if you're not able to stream now and you see this later, of course, we'll be archived and ready to go as soon as possible. But for those of you that are joining us, it's just our joy to be with you this morning. Um, I want to get right to my preaching, but I want to give a, a quick word of introduction. Today is such a special day. It's a holy day. It's a glorious day. It is uh, the concrete of all of our faith uh, who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord. And I, I, I kept my message really as simple as I could so that it's not uh, riddled with clever uh, manipulations of past uh, passages and hashtags and the other. I want to speak to you by the grace of God this morning on the subject, This Christ. If you're taking notes with us, and I encourage you to get something to write with if you're at home. Uh, a lot of small subpoints, but I want you to go back and look over this list. Uh, stand with me at home and hear, if you will, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing now that you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, not just believing, but obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. We being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man as the flower of grass. And we've seen this during this, uh, this recent trial that's faced our nation and the world the glory of men, the pomp of men, the splendor of men, uh, of pleasure and leisure and lust, how it just withered away at this, at this calamity. All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of men as the flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower falleth away. But the word of the Lord, the people of the Lord, those that house the spirit of the Lord, they shall endure forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. May I ask one favor of you? Would you pray for me as I pray for myself this morning? Father, my heart is so full today. Uh, reminiscing and preparing, 
for this Resurrection Sunday. What you did for us through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection is so profound and so great that it does not need my help to dress it up. I just ask that you empower me and anoint me to preach it with clarity and with an unction that would pierce maybe the hardness of our heart or the dullness of our, our spirit that we might see you more clearly, that we might know you more intimately, that we might trust you more deeply, and that this message of who you are and what you did and why you did it would become pivotal for us and that it would push back storm clouds of doubt and fear and anxiety because if our God spared not his own son but delivered him up for us, Shall he not now with him also give us all things? Blessed be your great name this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. The story of Jesus Christ, the synopsis of his story, the uh, virgin birth, the sinless life, the miracles, the delivering them up for us, uh, for our sins, the mockery of a kangaroo court trial, the beaten and bruised Lord, the stripped naked Christ, the crucified one, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That paragraph that I just gave you is all that the Christian needs. It was that which opened the door for access. It's that which quickened our, de our old spirit, uh, quickened it and made it alive unto God. Of course I believe in a phys physical resurrection. I've already had the spiritual one. I've already come back to life. Paul says it this way. He said, if Christ be not raised, then no one's ever going to be raised. And for all of you who profess Christianity, your preaching, your faith, all of it's a sham if Christ be not raised. He died for my sins, but he was raised for my life. It's the, it's the uh, one writer said, the earth's most serious wound was the empty tomb. They even, uh, historical accounts where the, they paid people to lie and say that they came and stole Jesus out of the grave. Stole him from the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. The problem with that though is they didn't embalm like we do now. And they wrapped Jesus in little strips of cloth dipped in this uh, mixture that would make the, the linen hard and seal uh, Christ, like a tomb, like a cacophony around him. It would, it would, it would, uh, uh, a cocoon around him. It would be a hard shell. And when they came in to see Jesus, uh, when they went in the tomb to see him, here's this empty cocoon, and Jesus on his way out took time to fold the napkin that was on his face. No robber stealing a Christ would fold a napkin, but here's this shell. And you look where the face was and there's nothing in it, undisturbed. And the, the cloth set off to its side. It's a historical fact. It's an eternal fact. It's a life-giving fact. 
It's a hope-instilling fact. It's a purifying fact. The resurrection is the answer. I continue in this series. We've been talking about um, the, the answer to our fears, the answer to all things. And the resurrection is that answer. And I'll get to that in a moment. His resurrection is the cornerstone of the gospel. Listen to this. It's the basis of our position in Jesus. It's the source of our power. That which we have that motivates us, that stimulates us, that gives us perseverance, that gives us impetus, that gives us tenacity, that gives us the ability to keep rising after falling, uh, this, this resurrection, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, we've already experienced it, but not to its fullest. He quickened my spirit, man. That's why I know that he will quicken my physical man at his return or at the resurrection of the just. This resurrection is the source of our power. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. That's why I can say I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. A lot of people take that verse and make it out to be that we're gods. We can decide what we want to do. And of course, that's not the context of the scripture. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I can't dunk no more. I used to could dunk a golf ball and then I went up to a tennis ball. And I think I dunked a flat volleyball one time. But I can't dunk anymore because these hamstrings are almost 60 years old and, and they don't play the same note when you tweak them that they used to. It doesn't mean that I can do physical uh, feats of strength. It doesn't mean that I can fly today. What it means is that I have within me a divine deposit, uh, a dunamis, a uh, deposit of His life-giving force that gives me the capacity to navigate anything, write it down, and everything that life deals to me. I can do all things. I can continue. I can persevere. I can get back up. I, I can do that which I could not do in my own strength because I have that power in me. It's the catalyst of our hope. Paul said, if we have hope in this life only, we're of all people most miserable. It's knowing that there's a resurrection day coming. It's knowing that uh, in the end, and I've, you've heard me say before, the resurrection answers everything. For the lonely person, they'll be, they'll be accepted in the beloved. For the poor person, they will be rich in Christ. For the rejected person, they will be received. For those without a family, will be in the family of God. Uh, those that, where there was injustice, there will be justice. And for those that worked, there will be remuneration. The resurrection, the hope of the Christian, answers every tragedy, every loss, every void, every inadequacy. Because in that day, he said, I make all things new. And that's what it means to us. There's a power there. It's, it's what gives us hope. No matter what happens in this world, this is not my home. I don't mean this so much corrective as I do as informative. Much of the church 
all I hear is when are things going to get back to normal? When can I get back to work? And I understand that because we get back to work. That's how we provide for our families. I understand that. When can I get back to this? When can I get back to this? But the Christian ought to be thinking, when has Christ come back for me? When, when am I going to get home? That hope, knowing that the same Jesus, when, when the disciples saw Jesus just float away, an angel said, why stand ye gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, which was taken up from you, shall so come in like manner. First, he's coming for his church. And then, at the end of the tribulation, he's coming back to earth with his church. The resurrection is the answer to all of these things. And it's the producer of our clarity. It's what gives us priorities. It's the producer of our, our clarity and the maintainer our, of our perspective. Do you know what question we ought to be applying like a balm to an infection, like a bandage to a wound? We ought to be saying, what is this in the light of eternity? In the light of eternity, I don't know if you've lost someone like I have through death and through rejection. Sickness, where you live in a hospital room and your family lives in the waiting room. The unknown, whether our babies are going to live or die. Whether, you know, when your, when your company goes bankrupt and they, all you've saved for in retirement was lost in a simple filing of chapter 11 or chapter 13 and you've lost everything. What is a Christian to do? What do we do? It's the resurrection that gives us perspective. It says, in the light of eternity. Today, horrible. Today, that would be uh, excruciating pain, unanswered questions, D disillusionment, uh, confusion, and even experiencing anxiety. But if you apply in the phrase, in the light of eternity, what does it matter in this season if I'm rejected? What does it matter in this season if I'm made a mockery for the name of Christ? If I'm called to suffer for his sake, in that day I'll receive a reward for every cup of cold water given in his name. It's the guarantee of our own, uh, our own resurrection. And it's the end of our salvation. Very quickly, for just the next few moments, I want to just read some things to you about this Christ. These are known things. These are historical things. These are experiential things. But they are, they are things that if we reflect upon them in remembering Him, communion, remembering Him, that's not the time for me to tell fun, uh, quaint stories. It's to remember him. So I want to remember and present to you this Christ so you can remember, put him back together in your mind fully, fully clothed with power and glory and dignity that we might bow ourselves before him and we might give all that we have to him that we might exclusively trust Him and that we might passionately worship Him and that we might live with our eyes set on the prize knowing that Jesus Christ was the first fruits of all that were resurrected. See, there were people resurrected from the dead before Jesus. This wasn't just a physical resurrection. This was the last Adam redoing what the first Adam failed to do. 
And this is our hope. So, this Christ is an eternal Christ whose goings have been from everlasting unto everlasting. He was before the world was. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Before there was a earth, there was the Word, Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And the Word became flesh, and we beheld His glory. Glory of the only begotten of God, full of grace and full of truth. Christ. All things were made by Him, and there was nothing made that was made that was not made by Him. In the beginning, Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This Christ was the promised Christ. The Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth was laid. So before there was an earth, there was a Lamb. And the plan was to create a race of people, giving them free choice, knowing that with their free choice they would sin preparing a lamb to pay for their sins, the death of the lamb to pay for the sins, and the resurrection of the lamb to bring them back to life so that the church and heaven would be filled with worshipers, not that were made to worship, forced to worship, robotic worship, but they would be in and of themselves recreated. And the first part of the resurrection has already happened in you. And that's the earnest of your inheritance. How do I know that my dad and grandparents and you, you who have relatives that have died in Jesus, how do we know that they're going to get up? How do, they know, how do we know that we're going to have a great reunion? Because he's already resurrected me. This Christ is a substitutionary Christ. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him, and by his stripes I was healed. The great exchange. He was naked that I could be clothed. He was poor that I could be rich. He was rejected that I could be accepted. He was sinless to redeem the sinner. Whatever it was that I earned, he took it upon himself. This morning... Early this morning, we were sitting on the couch, and Kelly was holding our babies, and one was sitting beside me, and I told the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And I had Izzy put her arms out like this, and we talked about, I asked the question, why did Jesus cry out from the cross? Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why would God turn his back upon his son? And I said, Izzy, when the son was dying, when Jesus was dying on the cross, the father's eyes were on him. And then I took a blanket and I said, and then he put our sins, the sins of the world, past, present, and future, on, and I draped her. And I said, they put the sins on Jesus. And that's when the Lord turned his back upon Jesus. And I was reminded, telling them that story, and my heart was so gripped because I'm trying to relate to children, but at the same time, my spirit is leaping I'm thinking to myself, he experienced the Father looking away so that I could experience the Father looking at me. He experienced the rejection so I could experience the acceptance. This Christ is a substitutionary. He for me. 
While I was dead in my trespasses and sins, he gave himself for me. He died that I could live. Christianity is not a model for us to follow. If anything, it shows us that we can't follow. It's an exchange of his righteousness for my unrighteousness. His wholeness for my brokenness. Every good thing a Christian has in their life, mind, and home came from an exchange. That God gave them. God so loved that he gave. This Christ is the accepted Christ. When he died and took his, uh, when he was, died and was resurrected, and he took his blood into the heavenly tabernacle, the veil was torn from top to bottom. Not in the earthly tabernacle. Well, in the earthly tabernacle, it was torn from top to bottom. This many, many inches thick fabric where God just took his hands and ripped them and it split down the middle, which meant that we now had access to the Holy of Holies, the very presence of God, not by merit, not by effort, not by turning over a new leaf, not by the approval of men or the edict of a priest or a, or a preacher, but it was through the torn veil of Jesus Christ. His blood was accepted in the same way the Israelites for uh, several thousand years would take the blood of an innocent lamb and put it on the mercy seat. Uh, the, the earthly tabernacle fashioned like the heavenly tabernacle. And that blood would be accepted and it would postpone judgment for one year. When the Israelites escaped from the Egyptians and they put the blood on the doorpost uh, and the death angel went through, he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Pass over. And Christ, our Passover lamb, is that which protects us and provides for us uh, the security, the forgiveness, the restoration, the redemption, because his blood was accepted. That's how we know that we are accepted. Listen, I know I'm accepted because Christ was accepted. And I have faith in that. Not in my own efforts, not according to my own will or righteousness, I enter into, by faith, that which Jesus did for me. This Christ is a universal Christ. Whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this fell in my heart uh, yesterday and this morning that there might be someone watching online that's never came to our church or watched our service and they say, Pastor, you don't know where I've been, whosoever. You don't know what I've done, whosoever. I sat in my office before and heard the uh, groans of a woman as hot tears fell upon her face, speaking of the child that she murdered in her own belly. And the Lord gave me the word, tell her whosoever. The man that touched his children inappropriately. The woman that abandoned her family. The son and daughter that ran away from their Christian home and their Christian heritage and lived like hell. Doing everything they could to prove that they did not believe and that they were not a part. Whosoever. The preacher that would preach on Sunday and have a mistress Sunday night. Whosoever. 
They said something about Jesus. They didn't mean to say it, but it was prophetic nonetheless. When the high priest was giving them an option between Barabbas or Jesus to be free, Barabbas was a thief, just a, a robber, a crook there in town. And they said, they cried out, give us Barabbas. And they said, let his blood be upon us, Jesus. Let his blood be upon us. Imagine people shaking their fist at the Son of God. And with wrong motive, screaming out, let his blood be upon us. And that's exactly what would happen to them as the Spirit softened their heart and the Lord put that blood upon them and the death angel would pass over. It's not important who you are. It's who he is. It's not important where you've been. It's where he is. Whosoever means you. And right where you're sitting, you can say, have mercy on me, O God, a sinner. One look, you live. And those that looked upon the brazen serpent, all they had to do was look. And they were healed of the poisonous venom that coursed through their veins. This is a saving Christ. They said of him, he saved others. That was another phrase they used. He saved others. See if he can save himself. Didn't even know what they... He saved others. I'll tell you this about Jesus. He won't save himself, but he'll save you. The physician won't heal himself, but he'll heal you. He will give his life a ransom for the world. He will not spare himself, but he'll spare you. My Christ is a rescuer. A joyful rescuer. Said for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. He is a faithful Christ. I love what the angel said when they rolled the stone back and the Bible said they came to the tomb looking for Jesus and they saw the angel sitting upon the stone. And the angel said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He got up just like he said. I imagine this angel was perplexed, looking at his head, what? What's wrong with you people? He can't lie. My Christ is faithful. If he speaks it, it will be. And if he said it, it will surely come to pass. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not one jot or tittle will ever fail from the things he's spoken. And when he says you're forgiven, you're forgiven. And if the world remembers, let them remember, he forgets. He removes it from his memory. It's not that he doesn't know. He brings it not up again. He is a true Christ. The Bible tells us to take heed and be not deceived. For many shall come in my name, Jesus said, saying, I am Christ. And the time draweth near. Go ye not after them. Be careful of this modern day Jesus that it's spelled the same, but he doesn't have the same history. He wasn't born of a virgin. He wasn't sinless. Be careful of this Jesus presented today that winks at sin and endorses uh, extramarital affairs or fornication before marriage or homosexual or lesbian lifestyle. Be careful of this 
reconfigured Jesus to be more uh, palatable to a world that's set in their own destruction. He's the true Christ. He's the powerful Christ. Very quickly, let me just tell you, when he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth, that's exactly what he meant. All power. Not our power magnified times a hundred. All power in heaven and in earth is given him. That's why the Christian has hope in the most difficult of circumstances because they understand that it doesn't matter how far it goes, how closed the window is. This is a resurrected Christ. This is one that has all power. And he sits at the right hand of God and he invites us to use his name when we pray to the Father. And we know that all things are possible to him that believeth because our Lord is not some anemic, placid, effeminate figure on a wall somewhere. He's seated in heaven with all glory and power and majesty and might. He's the risen Christ, seen among many witnesses. Brooke, if you'd come up, please. Seen among many witnesses, whereby we also saw him. He's the reigning Christ. Y'all, please forgive me. I have to keep saying this for our online audience. When I call for have to drink, it's pollen. I don't, I don't have anything. It's just pollen. I cut grass for six hours yesterday and... When I got in the shower, it was just yellow, brown, everything rinsed down. Excuse me. Usually that would have drew a lot of chuckles and laughter, but for the six of you here, God bless you for that laugh. The reigning Christ, who being the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins and was raised from the dead, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You need to know that our Christ is a victorious Christ. Having spoiled principalities and powers while he was dead for three days, when he was raised from the dead, he took the keys from Satan himself and has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Many are scared of the world and its evil influences and the darkness of the principalities and powers of the air. I'm not scared of anybody that can't keep the keys to their own house. My elder brother Jesus whipped him 2,000 years ago and made an open show of him. I feel like the Lord wants me to tell you in this declaration of who he is. He said, oh, don't let them just see me crippled on the cross. Tell them I'm fine. My train fills the temple. All of heaven is on attention waiting for a look from me so that they can do my bidding. A scepter of righteousness in my right hand. And on my thighs written the words, faithful and true. I am your victorious Christ. I am your sufficient Christ. I am your present Christ. I am your careful Christ. Christ. I am your powerful Christ. This Christ is a recognizable Christ. My sheep know my voice and another voice they will not follow. He's a personal Christ. He's not only these things, he's my redeemer, my savior, my protector, my provider, my defender, my preserver, my Lord. 
He's a satisfying Christ. He said, he that drinketh the water I give shall never thirst again. He's a proven Christ. What's the song say? Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. I've proved him o'er and o'er. When we look back, Steve, Chris, over our life, and we got to the impassable place and we passed it. When we got to the unscalable mountain and we crossed it. When we got to the stormy sea and we walked on water. How, the, I, I, I know what the song is saying, but I like to rephrase it so that there's no mistaking. It's not how I've proved him or and or. It's how he's proved himself to me. Or and or. For those that are trembling in this hour, brand new believers, those that are lost and are just looking at the claims of Christianity. Can you, the preacher, tell me the truth. Can I trust him? Are you kidding me? I sleep good. I am trusting in the one who made heaven and earth. He's proven himself. I have no grounds for divorce, no complaint, no grievances filed. Everything he's promised, he's been and more. He's a, he's a, he's a proven Christ, and listen, and he's a returning Christ. He's an engaged Christ. Engaged to us, the city, the new city, all the peoples from tri every tribe, nation, tongue, and dialect. And he's coming again. He said, if I go from you, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself. Because where I am, there I want you to be also. Church family, he's at the door. I, if I close my natural eyes and just listen... I can hear the silverware clinking together for the marriage supper of the Lamb being set. I can hear it. I can hear the wine being poured and the bread broken, the table being set for the redeemed of the Lord to sit as Christ leads us in a supper of His victory. It's imperative it's imperative for you as believers that you lift up your eyes past what's going on. That you lift up your eyes past what the government can do, what they're not going to do, past what the prognosticators tell us, and lift your eyes up into the hills from what's cometh your help. Your help comes from the Lord, and He's coming. Get your house in order. Get your heart in order. Now's not the time to hunker down. Now's the time to cut the ropes that connect this hot air balloon to this world and just have one rope holding on. So when the trumpet of God goes off, you're ready. Those at home, would you do this for me? We're about to take communion in just a moment. But I, I saw this in my heart. It's not a vision, day vision. Just in my mind's eye all the different homes from, you know, the Nicastros to the effigies to Myra and her husband and their family there and Grief and Katrina and, you know, this uh, Byraline and Sheila Hayslip, all our families all over. 
We're about to go into this song. And if you have a Bluetooth or something at home, you know, very rarely do you hear an old person say, turn it up. You know, young people say, turn it up. Old people say, turn it down. But I want you to turn your volume up. And I, I, you don't have to sing the words to worship to the words. You may have never heard this song before. But this is going to be our song of preparation. And then in just a moment after this song, we're going to take communion together. Are you all ready to stand and give honor to the Lord? So at home, stand with us. Stand with your wife, your babies. Let your children see your countenance glow, your tears flow, your confidence on your face that this Christ is our Christ and we worship him. Let's play that, please.
and look at one another. You don't have to look at me. And Papa, if you're there, or the mama that's a single mom, whatever the configuration is, hold the bread in front of your babies and show them. This is a symbol of the broken body of Jesus Christ. And in the same way that we break this bread between our fingers, Christ, the bread of life, was broken for us. And we remember the why of why he did this for us. So let's break together and take today. And the same night that Jesus was betrayed, he took wine and he poured it and gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my blood that's going to be shed for you. And as often as you do this, just remember me. Bring it back to the forefront of your mind. Not only what I did, but why I did it and where I am. It was for you. Your pastor, this pastor, with no fear of contradiction, is as sinful as anybody I've ever met in the world. But I also want to tell you with the same confidence that I am as forgiven as anybody in this world. (laughs) By grace. Papa, show them the cup that washed you from your sins. Mama, show them the cup. And we take, this doesn't cleanse us. This is an external manifestation of what's already happened. Let's drink the cup together. Pastor Wade, would you come close for me? 
rejoice today because He is risen. Amen. Man, what a lovely day to be able to celebrate with you in your home. What a wonderful opportunity to break bread with your family and to take the cup and remember the price that He paid for our redemption. So Lord, we go today in your grace and your mercy. You'd send us forth full of your spirit, full of life, that we may be light to this world, that we may be life to dead places, that we may be the salt, the God flavor to this world that is tasteless. God, fill us today with your joy. Fill us today with your delight. As we celebrate in other ways and as we celebrate with family, Lord, just fill our homes with your joy, we pray and ask in Jesus' name.